Hello and welcome to Cascades, a podcast for whiskey about whiskey. My name's Luke. This is Jordan. We're going to be talking about Japanese whiskey today, I believe. Yes, that's correct.、Um, you are back after your four-week hiatus, effectively. Was it four weeks? Well, yeah, because you'd have the gap in between. Maybe, would it be three weeks? I don't know. But, yeah, but you'd have the gap in between the episode and then the gap after the episode. Our schedule did not line up with us working.、Uh, but that's how life works sometimes. It's uh, uh, crazy. But you know what? Life—it、uh, sometimes it finds a way. <laughs> But、yeah, we're talking about Japanese whiskey today.、Um, this was one that we had planned for last time, but obviously, like you were saying with the schedule, so I kind of quickly、uh, rewrote a, a whole episode up about Ardbeg. Yeah, you had our with, father there. Yeah, with Dad, that was interesting. Actually, he did well. I have to say, he did very well. I, I mean, have to actually edit that much out. He, he's. <laughs> it sucks that when you did an episode with Dad, you didn't have to edit as much as you have to do with me, and I've done. Ten episodes now, including well, no, this one. That's not quite true because there was like a whole extra episodes worth of stuff I had to edit out because it was all the other stuff that we'd kept done in the previous kind of episodes、yeah. leading up to that. Yeah,、um, I mean, surely with his avid listenership. Oh yes, as, as we as we covered in the last episode with his,、uh, like you say, avid listenership glued to the,、uh, to、yeah. the old iPad listening to it or or any other generic tablet device that he may use. So I think with that, th- we're about ready to.、Uh, yes, let's go into the episode. You have paper notes because I have to, paper notes. We're、so、recording we'll at to, my desk today. I'll have to try and edit out the paper. Um, my desk is nice to record on. It's not filled with things and But stuff. But it's no whiskey bottles close to hand. This feels weird. I, if you notice, I did bring a bottle in. I I didn't notice because I don't pay attention to you. So so. So see now we can go back to the whole so joke. I did that and Dad didn't say anything. Were you like I, so? And then so? there was just this empty silence, and I thought, oh no! Wow, there's never empty silence when I'm on Cascades. <laughs> Arguably, there should be some more silence. Now, Japan has made whiskey. Well, Japan has made what they called whiskey for for over a hundred years. But similar to the、uh, as we discussed with India, it wasn't really what the rest of the world had kind of acknowledges whiskey. And it wasn't until the、uh, a gentleman called Makataka Takatsuru, who later would be become known as the father of Japanese whiskey,、uh, went over to Scotland. Actually, he he worked with the Setsu Shuzu. Oh yes, actually, right now before we start properly. I apologize for any pronunciation. I、this. was gonna say how how much are you butchering? I、names? there's a few I know I get right, and there's there's others that I'm not hundred percent sure I get right kind of thing. So we'll say he joined the Setsu Shuzu Shuzu Setsu Shuzo Company. Arguably,、uh, that's just you trying to read your own handwriting. It could just be me trying to read my own handwriting. Yes,、uh, and that was back in 1916.、Um, so quite a, quite a while ago when you think about it, over a hundred.、Uh, I know you said 1916, but my brain was like 2016. I was like, that's not that long. <laughs> Jesus, hundred years passes quick with quarantine. <laughs>、uh, and it was about two years after that, in 1918, when he、uh, set off to Scotland to learn the art of distilling whiskey properly.、Uh, he enrolled in the University of Glasgow. Ooh. And in 1919, he apprenticed at well, he began his apprenticeship at a series of、uh, whiskey distilleries in Scotland. He he eventually got to three distilleries where he learnt the different arts of whiskey making. First of all, he visited Longmorn, which is a lovely Speyside distillery. Longmorn's very light,、uh, an easy drinking kind of、um, nice green orchard fruits, fruity kind of whiskey. And so yeah, he first enrolled at Longmorn, and shortly after that, he then went to、um, work with. Uh, coffee stills, a separate kind of、uh, s- uh, distillery section. Coffee stills. Coffee being, the guy. As we covered in a previous、uh, episode, yeah. In my defence, I've only had one cup of coffee, so my brain did go somewhere else. That's one cup more than that. 
You not, oh yeah, you don't drink coffee though. You're not like me. <laughs> you don't need it to survive. Uh, yeah. So so first of all, like I say, he apprenticeship to Longmorn, where he learned the art of uh, distilling and uh, also like the malting and things and and the brewing. I mean, he already had a background in brewing because he was actually Takasuru was actually um, born into sake family. Oh. Um, and so when he was in Japan, he actually did study the art of brewing anyway at a university. And so he already had some history of it, but then he was just growing on what he already knew using these Scottish techniques. So yes, he, he learned both uh, traditional copper pots still at Longmorn, and then he learned coffee stills, uh, the use of coffee stills, which would later become a very big part of Takasuri's spirit style as well. Um, in 1920, he married a woman named Rita, a lovely Scottish lady. He also then moved to Hazelburn Distillery, which is unfortunately now closed down. Uh, Hazelburn was based in Campbelltown, and you can still get Hazelburn whiskey these days, but it's done by the Springbank Distillery. You know, I think I am learning because I recognised coffee stills. Mm-hmm. I recognised Campbelltown. So that's two. That's two. Um, Rita, I know, is a name. Rita is a name, that's correct. Hazelburn was a very different kind of style of whiskey to what you got at Longmorn. Um, Campbelltowns were notoriously quite big bodied and often quite an oily kind of whiskey. Very, very different style. So the. Although he got the art of um, coffee stills as well, having these two different spirit styles would really have an impact in Takatsuru's uh, later life. Now, when he returned to Japan in 1920, he went back to work for the uh, Setsu Shuzo uh, company. Again, I apologise. But in 1922, they parted ways when the company decided they were actually no longer going to pursue the the art of whiskey distilling. So... Uh, it kind of left Takasura in the lurch a little bit, but fortunately, he was able to join the company which would later become known as Suntory, which is a very, very big company today. I mean, Suntory have their fingers in a lot of pies, uh, but they're also very well known in the whiskey industry, not just for Suntory's Japanese whiskey, but they actually, uh, they merged with, uh, they became partners with Jim Beam, the American company, and are now known as Beam Suntory. Uh, they own a lot of distilleries in Scotland as well, including things like the Bowmore Distillery. So Suntory are very, very big players, don't get me wrong, really are um, a v- very important side to, to Japanese whiskey as well. Um, I mean, a lot of this is going to be Takatsuru based because uh, later on, spoilers, he leaves Suntory, but I'm not saying... Spoilers! <laughs> spoilers for 100 years ago. Let's say the kind of people that complain that hey, you spoil less than 100 the years Hobbit ago now. film. It's like, the book came out a while ago, bro. He joined Suntory, and he actually, he was there when they built Yamazaki Distillery, which was the first whiskey distillery built in Japan. Uh, Yamazaki was built about 19, yeah, I think it was 1922. Ah, the good old days. Um, So it was was quite quite an old, old distillery, really. Are we getting pretty close to Prohibition times in 1922? Uh, It ended in, I think it was 33 it ended in, so yeah, this would be during Prohibition. We did a whole episode about it. It'd suck if you were wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. God, you just caught me completely off guard. I'm in a completely, I'm in a completely different country right now. This does make. You're like me with the cowboys. <laughs> when Takasuri was with Suntory, they uh, founded the Yamazaki Distillery in 1923, and he stayed with them for a few years. His contract ended. He had a 10-year contract with them, and it ended in 1934, and they went their separate ways. Oh. Is Rita ended... with him? Did they get a divorce? Or did no, Rita stayed with him. Okay, good. I was like, um, genuinely worried. Yeah, now Rita, Rita and Takasuru had a lovely uh, marriage. Um, they did go through some problems later on, not between Takasuru and Rita, but because of the times that they came across. Yeah, one of the, one of the big problems for for Rita and Takasuru was actually during the Second World War, um, yeah. because obviously Japan got involved with the Second World War, and Rita was actually. Uh, 
there, there was lots of suspicion as to if Rita was actually a spy. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they suspected everyone of being a spy. Fortunately, nothing bad happened, but uh, I mean, it could have could have been quite quite bad. Um, and unfortunately, everything worked out in the end. But obviously, it brought um, a bit of a strain on them, to say the least. Yeah. Basically, when his contract ended, the uh, Takasuru formed his own company, which would later be known as the Nika Company. Ah. And in 1936, he began distilling at the distillery Yoichi. Now, Yoichi is a lovely distillery, very much like a west coast of Scotland. It's got a little bit of sea saltiness, a little bit of background smokiness. It's quite big body, actually, for, for some of the Japanese whiskies in comparison. But that was his first distillery. Um, and it would take Takasuru a very long time to actually set up his second distillery. Now, unfortunately, before the second distillery was... Um, Actually, Rita died. No. Yeah, so uh, Rita died in 1961 at the age of 64. That's like um, a good age back then, though, isn't it? It is. And apparently, when when Takasuru did uh, finally die, they they are actually buried together. Aww. Um, so yes, Takasuru's second distillery was finished in uh, 1969 and, and was called. Mayagaikyo. And Mayagaikyo took so long because Takasuru was determined to find the perfect spot for his second distillery. Having worked in Scotland, he realised how much the uh, the surrounding area uh, affects whiskey production. Um, he took a very long time getting um, the, the water sources tested and things until he found really nice pure water source uh, in this beautiful valley where it's situated. And Mayagaikyo is a lot more like a space side style. It's very light and, and fruity and floral. It's a wonderful uh, wonderful whiskey to try actually I mean back then that must have been like a lot harder to do than it is now to get like water tested and to go places to find it because it's like travel was not as easy I know while well, we're in the 60s yeah, nearly 70s. And yeah, but like 70s. it still wasn't. I now mean, we are. It's not like it was. Like, you know, I know like they didn't have horses and cars. or something <laughs> like that. Well, obviously not, Jordan. <laughs> Pretty sure the last of the dinosaurs died out a few years before that. Yeah, like in the 20s or something. So yeah, and, and Maya Gaikyo was founded and a very, very different style. And, and between these two, uh, Nika are able to create a, ver- a huge variety of different flavors. They really are. They reckon they can create about. 500 different flavors because they've got the different stills they've got all the casks they, they can alter the ratios of things and and they this is one of the big aspects that's very important to japanese whiskey is that they're far more interested in creating different flavors using blending techniques than they are in actually producing single malts now that's not to say that the single malts are bad they're very very nice and in fact they're very highly sought after uh, all around the world they're very very highly prized collector's items from the production style they're far more interested in the other side of whiskey which i always find quite fascinating because I know I've said it before, blends tend to get a bad reputation, but uh, if, if you use rubbish ingredients that in any recipe, you get you get a bad final product. And they're far more interested in creating these premium, superior kind of blends. Yeah, have you ever put salt in cake instead of sugar? Not good. I have not. Have you ever had Himalayan pink salt? No. It's like this really fancy salt. I don't know if it makes different, but I'm saying it's like, you know, salt maketh the man, as the saying goes. <laughs> um, so, so, keeping... Keeping in line with the, the timeline kind of thing, uh, 1973 was when Hakushu Distillery was uh, founded by Suntory, so that's their second distillery. And um, Hakushu is a lot more kind of... Uh, it's, it's, it's actually in a lovely kind of woodlandy area. It's at the foot of a mountain. If you see pictures of, of Hakushu, it, it, it's uh, surrounded by these like, really nice kind of evergreen tall pines kind of thing. It, it, it looks really... It does look very, very pretty kind of scenery. And don't get me wrong, the whiskey's very nice as well. So... So that's kind of the, the the brief history of the two big producers. Like I say, you've got Centauri and you have Nika. Centauri does sound like a Roman one, but that's just because of Centurion. 
Yeah, it's Suntory, not Centauri. Oh, Suntory. sorry, I thought you were saying Centauri, not Centauri. No, it was in, like, Suntory. Again, I cannot differentiate the difference when you say it like that. No, because Suntory's a very, very big company. They're in a lot of things, not just whiskey-related. Got the things in a lot of pies. Yeah, I already said that. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, which brings me back. Who came up with that saying? Because imagine if you I just... I think it was, it was a pie baker. Imagine had, if like, you just went to the kitchen fingers. and this guy had, like, all fingers in all different pies and you'd be like, that's not hygienic. No. For one. And he must be burning. And it's like, who looks at a pie and be like, I'm going to ruin that. I'm going to just... I'm going to just poke it a little bit. And like, oh... I've severely burnt my finger. Pies are Well, maybe hot. that was his job. Maybe he was, you know, testing the temperature of the the internal temperature of the pie. I'm a I'm a Google. Um, Japan, it's their weather. They get they get really warm. Oh, I mean they have a, a and really cold. Very don't very they? climate, yeah, in Japan. I imagine that would make quite a lot of difference. Oh, it does. I mean, because um, I know like the temperature does change the distillery. So I suppose when he was looking for distilleries, he was also trying to find yeah, a Yoichi, Yoichi distillery alone. I mean, that I often see pictures of that and it's got loads of snow around it. It gets really Ooh. cold in winter around Yoichi, and it does. It affects the spirit maturation. I hate winter. Um, yes, you do. I mean, don't forget. Japan is it's a series of islands, isn't it? And so you actually there's quite a bit of space in the in the altitude and climates between the between the islands. That is true. Yeah, you just kind of I don't know where that one was going. You just kind of you know. You yeah, just, just kind of yeah. You just kind of just kind of got to put your fingers in a bunch of pies sometimes. There's the episode title. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mean today uh, there are when I. Did my last count. Um, I don't know if anything's updated since because of lockdown, but <laughs> I did my uh, one, two, three. <laughs> there, there were currently twenty-two distilleries in Japan, so quite a few distilleries, really. Um, few, yeah. Japanese whiskey, like I say, very, very sought after, and a lot of producers are starting to create it. Now, this is one of the big problems of Japanese whiskey as well. Japan isn't exactly bound by the same rules that the rest of the world seems to follow when it comes to whiskey. Oh, really? Yeah. So. And I'm, I'm really not against Japanese whiskey, don't get me wrong. The notebook has gone away. The notebook has gone away for a moment because... We're on the free list now. The list of the brain. So yeah, Japanese whiskey is <laughs> having slightly a bit of... Uh, Japanese whiskey uh, has a slightly inconsistent set of rules in the fact that they don't seem to have many rules. I love that, you know, like, you can't fail if you don't have any rules, am I right? See, a lot of countries put rules into place to protect their product, but Japan seems to... Um, well, Japan just doesn't seem to have many rules in place at the moment uh, regulating the production of whiskey, to the extent where some less scrupulous people kind of buying Scottish whiskey or whiskey from other countries, and they sometimes put it in Japanese casks to further mature it, but sometimes they're just bottling it up sticking a Japanese label on because it was bottled in Japan and selling it as Japanese whiskey. So yeah, this is one of the big problems for Japanese whiskey because a lot of the time the uh, people are paying a premium for what they think is, is Japanese whiskey because there's this great following behind it at the moment and, and it's not necessarily the truth. So this is not to say that all Japanese whiskey's like that. There are some really nice whiskies out there. It's just that people need to be aware that sometimes you're not necessarily getting what you think you're getting. I mean, with some of the distilleries, it's quite often because they're kind of still, their spirit's not old enough to sell and they're just wanting to release something. Um, and with stocks being the way they are for Japanese whiskeys being quite tight, it's not as if you can kind of just go and buy a load of Japanese whiskey off of a different supplier like you could do in Scotland. The um, the, the problems being that, you, like I say, it's you can be paying a lot of money for something that in, in all reality, you could just bought from Scotland for a lot less. Uh, of these 22 distilleries that are popping up, a lot of them doing some seriously, seriously nice whiskeys. Uh, and even 
even these these smaller companies are very very sought after for their small batch releases and things um i mean the, the the crowds that they attract are phenomenal you really do start to see collectors going mad for this stuff uh, most of the time though you tend to just see the the big players, Nika and Suntory, kind of in most shops, unless it's a specially ordered release kind of thing. Is that... What's the bottle that you brought in? Oh, the bottle I brought in. The bottle I brought in was, uh, or is, a Hakushu 12-year-old, which is not the bottle we'll be sampling. Yeah, I know you have one that you don't want to open for the... Very expensive whiskey now. I want to save it for special occasion. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, yeah. I mean, this ties into part of the problem. The Japanese whiskey, the demand has far outstripped the amount in supply, and so stocks are running very, very low. Uh, only a few years ago, Hakushu 12 was discontinued, and I managed to grab a bottle of it before prices started to skyrocket. Um, it was actually one of those happy moments where you, you find a bottle at the back of a shelf kind of thing. Oh, so, happy little whiskey bottles. Yeah, it was. It was a happy little surprise. And so I, I took the opportunity to, to buy the bottle and... Um, I mean, now online, when, you, when you're looking at them, they've, they've doubled in price because you just can't get the whiskey anymore. You can still get Hakushu Distillers Reserve. You can get Yamazaki Distillers Reserve as well, which are now age statement versions of the whiskies. You can still see Yamazaki 12 occasionally, but it is certainly getting harder to get your hands on and the price is going up, um, even from regular suppliers. It's just getting your hands on the whiskey again. Um, with Nika, they have seems to have stopped age statements altogether at the moment. Um, possibly in Japan, you can still see some of the age statement stuff. There's there's rumours it gets sold in their domestic market a lot more than it does make it kind of to the exports. Um, and this is one of the biggest problems. I mean, like I say, a, a 12-year-old Yamazaki last time I saw one was just over £100 kind of thing. Whoa. So, I mean, that's a 12-year-old whiskey. It's a single malt. It's very nice. Um, but when you compare it to like a 12-year-old Scottish whiskey... You're talking, what, 40, on average, about 40 to 45 pounds a bottle? Well, yeah, but literally how things work is the price is dictated by the demand. Well, you've got the price is dictated by the demand, but also the Japanese uh, companies, they, they see whiskey as a premium product. They actually can't understand why scotch is sold so cheap. So they, they do um, they do see it as this kind of premium product and, and they, they they do charge more money for it. Things like uh, one of Suntory's blends, Hibiki, which is a seriously nice blend if you ever go to... I mean, I know you don't like whiskey, but I think you might like Hibiki. Very, very light. Can I put 28 umbrellas in there? If you want to. I want to have so many umbrellas that I can't even drink the whiskey. <laughs> Hibiki Harmony, it comes in this really nice, pretty bottle. Ah. Um, yeah, it's, it's got handmade paper labels. Ah. Um, and it's actually, for part of the maturation, they, they actually mature it in uh, casks that previously held a melon liqueur. So, oh my again, it's a rule. The casks wouldn't be allowed to be used in, by Scottish rules. So this is where the Japanese rules also work in their favour. They get to try a lot more different casks and flavours because they're not constricted by the same rules. But in, on the downside, because you haven't got any rules like that, they can get away with a lot more questionable practices as well. Yeah. So this is where I was trying to get to with the rules. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And, and it's the same for other countries as well. Uh, quite often the Scottish, um, particularly the smaller craft distilleries, they're saying that they're very, very constricted by the rules. And when you compare it to other kind of equivocal distilleries that have set up, they get a lot more freedom in um, in, in other countries. It swings in roundabouts. Roundabouts and swings. Roundabouts and swings. Just to briefly yeah. run through the, the list of... Because it seems we're talking more about Nika and Suntory because, well, quite frankly, they're the ones I've had a chance to try more of. Uh, I have actually tried Hatazaki's uh, whiskies, but they're um, not actually their own whiskies at the moment because, again, they're buying in spirit, but in this case, Japanese spirit. 
uh, because theirs isn't old enough. So with, with Suntory, as I was saying, you have Yamazaki Distillery, which is quite nice kind of summer fruits. Think kind of like strawberries, kind of cider things. Um, has a, a, they, they tend to use a lot of American cask to get that lovely vanilla side coming through, as well as Japanese oak casks. Don't get me wrong, they use those as well a lot. Um, and you, you tend to get a, a lovely kind of bit of a cinnamon spice on the end of Yamazaki Ooh. as well. Um, so it has these wonderful kind of balanced flavours to it. Hakushu is the other distillery, as I was saying, and, and that one's a little bit more kind of minty. You, you do see cucumber pop up a lot, and I have to admit, um, I have actually kind of got that feel of kind of, I, I mean, I, I think a bit more of grassy notes, but I, I can kind of see where people are saying cucumber from sometimes. Grass and cucumber are very different. I like cucumber. Um, I won't eat grass. <laughs> no, but it, it's uh, melons as well and, and things. You get that kind of, you do get a melony side and, and quite a citrusy side as well. So every, you get everything. You get everything, really. Um, and, and so they are quite distinct in their own styles. And then you also get, like I was saying, uh, the Hibiki range, where, which is called Harmony. I mean, um, a few years ago, I'm going to say a few years ago, more like kind of like five or six years ago, probably, you used to get things like Hibiki 12 and Hibiki 17, no problem. Uh, but you, you just don't see them now, except for collectors. And occasionally, if you're lucky, kind of in Japan, um, you'll still see the age statement Hibiki stuff. But again, the stocks are so low, they just can't release it. It's a shame you weren't a whiskey fan when you entered Japan. Admittedly, it'd be weird. Would have been kind of... Because you were like, what, 14, 15? Uh, would have been about 15, yeah. Yeah, it would have been weird if you were going to like, uh, just like, can you show me your your whiskeys, please? And I'm, I'm 15 years old. It's fine. I have a monocle. With Nika, you have uh, Yoichi, which is more like a West Coast. You do have a subtle kind of peatiness to it, certainly a sea saltiness to it. It's quite big bodied. Um, Maya Gaikyo is a lot more kind of lighter fruits, kind of Speyside style, as I was saying. They really are nice whiskeys. Um, but again, you don't get an age statement version of those. And those single, well, most Japanese single malts now, even the no age statement, you're talking 70, 80, kind of 90 pounds a bottle. I honestly thought that you were going to say 70, 80, 90 years. No. I was like, ooh. No. Um, <laughs> Digs a minute. <laughs> I mean, the last 18-year-old Yamazaki I saw was over a thousand pounds. Whoa. Yeah, a lot of money for... Hachi much. Uh, I mean, again, putting that in context, I mean, back then, the average 18-year-old would probably have been about 90 to 100. Now you're looking over 100 for most 18-year-olds. Big yikes. But still... That's a huge, huge kind of like increase in price. Um, but then uh, Nika, they have a, a, a series of um, blends. So they have Nika Red and Nika Black. They used to have one called Nika White. That was lovely, but that's been discontinued. Nika Black shifts a little bit more in favour of the Yoichi style, so it's a bit more big-bodied. Nika Red shifts more in Mayagaikyo's style, uh, and it's a lot lighter and fruitier. And those come in 50 centiliter bottles, actually. They come in really nice, slightly smaller bottles, but they are really nice whiskies as well. Um, they also do Nika from the barrel, which is uh, a cask-strength whisky. And it's, it is. It's a lovely kind of sits in the middle a bit more of the two, so you're getting a nice Yoichi and Mayagaikyo kind of uh, flavour profile. But because it's cask strength, you're getting a lot more flavour it really is great to try. I mean, yeah, again, benefiting from a drop of water sometimes, but lovely, lovely whiskey. After those two, we're on to things like, um, yeah, the, the coffee malt and coffee grain, which are actually, um, I'll, I'll do coffee grain first because coffee malt is the one that uh, I think we will be trying. Uh, Nika's coffee malt is uh, done uh, using coffee stills, funnily enough, which are situated at the Maya Gaikyo distillery. Where they have a pair of them. Uh, they were shipped from Glasgow, actually. And it uses all malted barley, but because it's done on a coffee still, you can't call it a single malt. So it, it does create a, a, quite a different flavour. I mean, because although you're using, like I say, this malted barley, because of the coffee stills plates, you're getting a lot more copper interaction and a lighter spirit. And uh, the flavour profile to that's wonderful. I really like it because it's quite different. You get kind of a nice 
tropical flavors, a little, little bit kind of banana-iness, and a slightly kind of, I always think for the mouthfeel, it has a little bit of a creaminess to it almost. Um, and I think uh, both the coffee malt and the coffee grain are well worth a try, don't get me wrong. Um, however, I decided that during this episode, we will actually try the coffee grain, which is also done at My Guy Kyo. Um, well, well, we'll get to the flavor profile for the tasting, I think. Do you have any questions about Japanese? Do I have any questions about... I actually don't, you know, I feel like I've been quite informed this episode. I don't know if you're normally this informative or if I've maybe just been zoning out more than I normally do. (laughs) But I feel like I have learned everything that has been said. He was married to someone called Rita. Well done. He did an internship in Scotland. What was his name? Okay, either... His name started with an S, or the distillery started with an S? Neither of those. You're thinking Some... of Suntory. Uh, oh. Which is a company he worked for. okay. Did his name start with an M? Yes. Was it like an M, and then another M, and then another M for his name? No. It was Makataka Takatsuru. That's it. I knew it repeated two letters somewhere in there. So that was his name. I'm not going to attempt it, because I know I'll get it wrong. Um, Next, the tasting. We'll go on to the tasting section. Where Jordan drinks whiskey, and I smell it and say, Sherry? (laughs) You knows it. So this is the tasting notes for Nika Coffee Grain. Would you like to give it a nose first? Sherry? If that's what you detect, that's what you detect. It's definitely sweet. Yep. I I would have to say I agree with you on that one. Nika Coffee Grain is definitely sweet. has a lovely sweetness to it. It doesn't smell like coffee, and I've had a few It's not. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's the other coffee. Every time. Every time. You're actually really good in this episode. Oh, sorry. No, in this episode, you yourself state that it's the coffee stills that are used. Uh, I forgot. I'm tired today. As I am every day. I remember we both got our uh, tinted glasses on. So, like, what colour is that? There is a bit of difference, actually. It's not as dark in this room as I thought it was. Uh, I mean... As for the colour of, of Nika Coffee Grain, it's got a lovely kind of slightly darker amber, amber hint to it. You know what? Say, yeah. You know what? That could be. There could be a, a mosquito in there, and uh, that had that mosquito had had a meal on a dinosaur, and you could bingo dino DNA. I don't know the speech. I'm sure you do. The DNA strand was maybe the best character next to Jeff. Uh, he was called Mr. DNA. I didn't know if he had a doctorate, so I didn't really... No, I don't think he was Dr. DNA. I think he was Mr. DNA. Professor DNA? Mr. It goes Mr. DNA, Jeff Goldblum. Not his character, just... uh, The Goldblum. Malcolm Reynolds. No, wait, that's 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 Firefly. Firefly, Yeah. Is his name... It is. It's Malcolm. You got that right. But it's Ian Malcolm. Malcolm is the surname. Ian Malcolm, that's it. So... And then every other character. Moving away from this, Jurassic Park... Uh, detour, which, don't get me wrong, love Jurassic Park and all that, but we're trying to get this recorded. Right. Yeah, because I need to go back to editing. <laughs> On the nose, it is. It's got a lovely sweetness, like you were saying. There's almost like a little bit of a... a it reminds me of bourbons, in a way. you got a lovely kind of corn side comes through. Um, and, and there is. There's a, a bit of almost a, a herbly side, or maybe a spice on the back. What herb? Um, you, you know more herbs than me. I get none of them. Name a herb real quick. Oregano. Go on. Any others? You said A. Okay. Thyme, rosemary, parsley. The pauses sage. you are having to do. The fact that for a second that you're like, <sighs> thinking on the green lids, not the orange ones. <laughs> how I identify things. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It's a lovely whiskey. The the taste is. Uh... Have you had this one before? Mm-hmm. 
So initially on the palate, you get that lovely sweetness. Sure. I mean, you can dry drop if you want. No. I don't want to ruin the whiskey by having to drink it, you know? Because I'd immediately hate it more than the smell. And uh, I, I pick up a lot of vanilla to this one. It is. It's lovely. It definitely has that nice kind of a little bit of a creaminess to the mouthfeel. We got a little bit of vanilla in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... It's, uh, it has a bit of a tryness as well, surprisingly, on the finish. It starts off lovely and sweet, but on, on, on the finish, as it's going down the throat, it really does start to go quite dry. It's goes these wonderful kind of stages as a whiskey. It gets even drier as it gets to the stomach, and then your intestines is like, we need water. Um, but back to the whiskey, if we could just oh, swing back around. right, yeah, 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 right. There's, there's a lovely amount of, like, oakiness to it. It really does start to build up there. And, and typically, I always get this kind of lovely, almost like a, a, a black peppery spice um, when I think of the oakiness. And it, it definitely shows itself with the, uh, with the coffee grain. Now, if you add water to it, because, I mean, like I say every time, drink it how you want to. But when you're talking 45%, I do think that, um, particularly with these slightly younger ones where you're talking with your, with your Nico ones, it really does benefit from from a, a drop of water or two. Uh, and, and so it opens up a lot more of that sweetness. Uh, the spice is still there, but it, it certainly on the finish, it isn't as, as uh, drying. Uh, it becomes a lot more balanced whiskey, actually. What percentage is this, sorry? 45 when it's, uh... when it's in the bottle. It's balanced. So if you were to have a feather and to have this on a weighing scale, just give it a smell now that it's got water in it. Less sweet. Hi, and thank you for listening to Caskheads. If you like what you heard, you could always rate, review, or subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on. It really does help new shows and, more importantly, may lead others to discover the show. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to email us. Uh, the, the email address is in the description below, and you can always visit the website. I'd like to actually take this time to also thank Adrian Nelson Murray of the Wee Dram. Uh, they, they own and operate the Wee Dram Whiskey Shop, which is in Bakewell, Derbyshire. You can also visit their website, theweedram.co.uk. And as always, we'll leave you with one editing goof. Goodbye. Can't we just turn that off for a bit? Oh, you want me to turn it? Yeah, I can turn my screensaver off. This is going to annoy me throughout the whole episode. I'll never know the time, I guess, and we'll live. It's in the, the top, top corner. Uh, the time. Actually, this is the fake time. This is this is this is what the man wants you to think the time is. That's that's that time's spying on you. Oh dear. They don't want you to know about the screensavers. <laughs> All right. Whoopsie daisies. Oh dear. No. One hour. One hour should do it. If it goes into screensaver mode, we know we've myself. Yeah.